0: Well good morning, We're glad that you're here and I want to thank the worship team for leading us in those great songs of praise and uh, let's just bow together as we set out and and thank the Lord for his goodness and ask him to help us to see his goodness more clearly. Father, uh, just as we've sang, we we know and we believe that you are good, high and lifted up, holy and perfect and righteous and, and loving and sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes we forget in the midst of our pain, in the midst of the world's suffering and, and, and disarray and wars and casualties and evil that's running rampant. Lord, we lose sight of goodness and the goodness that is ultimately perfectly found in you. So we praise you today, Lord, for your perfect goodness. And Father, today we pray together as we prepare our hearts open your word that you would by your spirit and by your word and by the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ today that you would refresh and renew our spirits that you would instruct our minds that you would penetrate through the hardness of our hearts to see how you are good why we say that you are good as we open your word together and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 15 is where I'd like you to open up this morning. If you've not been with us this summer, uh, maybe, you've, uh, uh, maybe you're brand new. Uh, you're a visitor today. We want to welcome you here. You're coming in on the very last sermon on a three-month-long uh, series. Some of you think I've just been rambling for these three months. You've forgotten what we're doing. We're journeying with Jesus through Mark's gospel. And this is the final sermon leg of the journey. We began in the month of, what is this, August, the month of June at the beginning of the summer, and we saw the public ministry of Jesus. We saw how he came forth there at the Jordan, was baptized, and the Spirit of God descended upon him. The Spirit of God anointed him like no other We saw then Jesus going out for public ministry, his authority over evil, over evil spirits, unclean spirits and powers. We saw Jesus' power displayed the work of the Spirit through him to do miracles like feeding the 5,000, healing the sick, and so on. Then we moved in the month of July to the private instruction that Jesus gave specifically to his followers. The private instruction, for instance, how he taught them about the upside-down life, if you will, of the kingdom of God. How the way the world operates so often is just opposite of the way the kingdom of God is to work. And he taught us, as his disciples, about the crucified life. We saw a glimpse of his majestic glory along with the inner circle of three up on the mountain of transfiguration where Jesus' glory and his majesty and his supremacy were displayed and God spoke from heaven and said this is my son listen to him right there in the presence of Moses and Elijah God said this is my son listen to him we saw in the private instruction of Jesus how he taught his disciples to care for the least of these even to humble ourselves to care for the smallest of children who the world many times cares nothing about Jesus loved And loves the little children as are we to do. And we also saw the clear pronouncement of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. That Jesus said would happen. And it it bewildered his disciples how that could even be possible. That one stone would not be left on another of that great and magnificent temple complex. But in AD 70 Jesus' words were proven true. And Jesus taught his disciples and teaches us about how things will go until the end of the age. And then this month, we have been traveling through, going alongside Jesus in what's called the passion narrative. That is the suffering of Jesus. We saw his betrayal. We saw him agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane as God's wrath began to be poured out on him. And he felt it spiritually as he stepped in to be our substitute and take the divine judgment of God we saw him arrested and tried mistried if you will but divine judgment was certainly being poured out upon Jesus as he was sentenced to death and his even closest friends left him and betrayed him last week we saw the all-sufficient sacrifice and substitute as the blood of Jesus was poured out when he died upon a cross And while the cross is absolutely essential, it is a way that we can speak about all that Jesus did. The cross becomes iconic or symbolic of all that Jesus came and did, of who he is as a person and what his work on earth and in heaven really symbolizes. So we speak about the cross, not to say it's all about the cross, but to say that was climactic. But listen, the journey with Jesus is not over at the cross. And today we examine the exaltation of Jesus. But actually, we go to the lowest place imaginable with Jesus. And then we see him raised up to the highest imaginable place. And so we're going to span from the lowest place and see Jesus exalted to the highest place as we finish out Mark's gospel in chapters 15 and 16 Today, we're going to follow Jesus or at least his body to a tomb, a burial ground, a burial place. And then we're going to follow the disciples and Jesus up to a mountain where he was ascended into the heavens. So let's begin at the grave of Jesus, actually, a rock tomb that was owned by a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea. We pick up in Mark chapter 15, verse 42 through 16 and verse 8 when evening had already come now this is after the crucifixion of jesus because it was a preparation day that is the day before the sabbath joseph of arimathea came a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of god and he gathered up courage and he went in before pilate and asked for the body of jesus pilate wondered if he was Dead by this time, and summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he was already dead. And ascertaining this from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Joseph brought a a linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, "Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb?" And looking up they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. We began in this rock tomb, owned by Joseph of Arimathea, in our last leg of the journey with Jesus. And I said to you a minute ago, we were going to go to the lowest place imaginable. Now, certainly this is not the lowest place upon this globe that one could go, but we go to a grave, the place where the dead are laid. And there they had buried, placed in this hewn-out rock, the lifeless and mangled body of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, who was Mary's beloved son, sibling to brothers and sisters. Jesus, a friend, a teacher, a mentor. Jesus, a healer, a savior, a reconciler. And the source of hope for all of those who followed him. To some, Jesus was a disturber of the peace. He was a troublemaker, a false teacher, a blasphemer, a revolutionary, and so they set out to kill him. But listen to this, all who watched, whether friend or foe, saw this. They saw Jesus die on a cross, and they saw his body wrapped up, and they saw his body taken to a grave. To all who looked on, Jesus was a dead man. In this gravesite, a hole chiseled in the earth. You think about that, and I say that's the lowest place imaginable. For the living, there is no lower place than the place of death where our bodies are interred, where darkness pervades seemingly forever, where there is stillness, where there is death, where there is decay. The lowest place, the place where Jesus was buried, a grave. No light of life, a place where we can't even imagine what it would be like to lie still. You know, we all recognize that death is our common enemy. Every one of you, if you don't know that, you're a fool. Because death is our enemy. It steals away the breath of God. That animates our lungs. Death silences our speech, it short circuits our minds, and finally it steals the beating heart. You know, Jesus was a poor man, he had no burial plot. Though he knew he came to die, he made no other arrangements, but God had ordained a place for Jesus to be laid. Even though he died a criminal's death, and many times those who were crucified that were criminals. Their bodies were taken down from the cross after a couple of days because they would allow this torture to take place and people to die slowly, normally, on a cross. But it was otherwise for Jesus. And they would take those bodies down, and as many of these criminals had no burial plot, they would throw their bodies in the city dump, there to be ravaged by the birds and the dogs, and to decay a gruesome and unfitting death, or decay. But Jesus instead was given a place among the rich in his burial, the Bible says, in a borrowed tomb of a council member, this man Joseph of Arimathea. You know, some interesting facts to think about as we realize that the gospel says that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried. He was buried according to the scriptures in the tomb of a rich man, which was prophesied in the Old Testament. And he was raised according to the scriptures on the third day. So you think about this, Jesus was placed in his burial in an official tomb. Think about this, this man Joseph of Arimathea comes to Pilate, who is the governor of the land, and he says, you know, can I take Jesus' body down and bury him in my tomb? That's an odd thing. But Pilate, first of all, questions, well, is he dead yet? It's awful soon. And so Pilate calls the centurion that's in charge of the crucifixion and says, is this man dead? He said, he's dead. He's dead. And so Pilate grants this. He confirms, he approves, he verifies, he establishes for all to see and for himself to know where the body of this troublemaker in Israel would be laid. There are those who argue that Jesus, well, he was on the cross, and, and this is called the swoon theory. The idea that Jesus didn't actually die, he just passed out on the cross. And that's how some people account for the resurrection. But I want you to think about, here is the governor, this Roman, who calls in a professional executioner. And if you will, as a coroner would, to establish that death has occurred, he said, is this man dead? A professional executioner says, I can confirm, Jesus of Nazareth has died. Very well, let his body be laid in this man's tomb. And the public watched. His disciples watched as Jesus' limp, lifeless body was taken down and wrapped in a linen cloth and carried to this tomb, hewn out in a rock, placed there, and a very large, extremely large stone, so large that when the women would come to the grave to anoint the body or see if they might attend to the body as they would do, said, there's no way that we can roll away that stone, the two of us. We also know that the, from other gospels, that the tomb of Jesus was actually guarded because he had been such a troublemaker. Because some remembered that Jesus said that he would rise from the dead. They said, You know, let's seal this tomb and let's make sure that there's no monkey business, no funny business. And that's how Jesus was buried, sealed with a large rock. Followers and foe alike knew exactly where he had been placed but they all assume one thing, friend and foe alike, this Jesus thing is done, he's dead, it's over, and I think that as we think about death and burial, we realize that death has a finality to it, doesn't it, it's fearful, a fearful finality, it is the end of our journey as mortals. That's Jesus' end, so it would seem. They believed this Jesus movement was over. Now, listen, something happens here in Mark chapter 16 between verses 8 and 9. You'll notice many of your Bibles are bracketed. They're bracketed after verse 8. So mine starts at verse 9 and goes through 20 and then also has a 21. And there's a bracket and maybe you have a footnote that says something like verses 9 through 20 do not occur in some of the earliest, most reliable manuscripts. So at the end of verse 8 is what's called the shorter ending of Mark. It's very abrupt, almost odd. But then there's this longer ending, it is called. But here's what I'm going to say to you. I'm going to keep on preaching Mark chapter 9 and on because of this. Mark chapter nine through, uh, 16, 9 through 20 align and parallel perfectly with the rest of the Gospels. It tells the same exact story, even with some brevity. So we're going to look on and know this. So if you notice that little footnote, hey, what you find in those brackets aligns perfectly with the rest of the Gospels in the book of Acts. So let's move from Jesus' burial in that lowest place to the time and the place of his resurrection. We see now in verses 9 through 14 is what we're going to read that after his death, after The women came to this tomb, and they just saw this kind of strange guy in white. We assume it was an angel. The Bible uses that kind of terminology and description of angelic appearances and says Jesus isn't in this tomb. He's gotten up. He's gone out from here. That leads us to the resurrection and the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. So Mark 16, let's read verses 9 through 14. Now after he had risen early on the first day of the week he first appeared to Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her they refused to believe it. After that he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. They went away and reported it to the others but they did not believe them either. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. By most counts, there are seven, at least seven, post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. For about 40 days, Jesus appears to small groups, bigger groups of his disciples, In fact, over 500, the Bible says, saw Jesus alive after he was publicly executed by professional executioners, after he was publicly verified dead and buried and sealed in a tomb, something has happened. He is not, his body is not in that tomb. What is the explanation? Well the only explanation and it clearly confirms this in the Bible and historically that Jesus got up out of the grave and it was alive after he had been dead for three days, you know, history recounts, recounts countless cults and coups and charismatic leaders who come and go in the world. They rise up, followers. Some of them drink Kool-Aid and they all die together. Some of them go and they follow, but the guy dies, the leader guy dies, and the movement dissipates. Now there are some religious movements that go on after a charismatic leader has established a base. We could talk about different ones like that, but listen, only Christianity as far as I know, is the only faith that says our once dead leader got up and over 500 people saw him and there is no other credible explanation. The only thing we have to tell you is that he's alive and he's still alive. All kinds of revolts, revolutions, messianic movements recorded in history, I don't know of any. And some people say, yeah, Christianity is just like all of these other religions. No. 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 How do you explain 2,000 years after the death of Jesus, a movement that is global and has gone on for two millennia and continues to move on strong, how do you explain it? I'll tell you how I explain it. The resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. That's the explanation. The Bible says that something happened on the third day following Jesus' death the tomb where he was laid is empty. His body is not there. Now, there's a lot of people that think about resurrection and they say, well, Jesus appeared spiritually. He was like a ghost. And maybe some of the disciples even thought that was what was going on. But we know this the disciples had a hard time believing the reports that other people gave them. They're like, nah, you've lost it. You're grieving. Maybe you dreamed about Jesus, but we saw him die, we saw him buried. And even the eleven, those who Jesus had told clearly he would be resurrected, they weren't waiting for the resurrection. They probably thought he was talking kind of esoteric type stuff, kind of feel-good Hallmark type stuff. And, and they said, you know, we just can't believe that. And Jesus appears to the eleven. He's resurrected. He's alive. And we know that they touched him. He ate with them. Ghosts don't eat. You can't touch a ghost, a vision, a figment of your imagination. You know, there are other explanations that people offer for the empty tomb. Like, and it's recorded in one of the Gospels, you know, there were some guards there. There were some guards there that were assigned to uh, guard the tomb so that there was no funny business. There would be no talk of resurrection and then the tomb's empty, and they're called, uh, you know, to give an account. And they said, i tell you what happened. We fell asleep, and the disciples came and stole their body. That's where a lot of people would land on this thing. Well, a couple of problems with that. If you're asleep, how do you know what happened? These guys knew. They, I mean, they were in trouble. They were in trouble. And, and the disciples... Now think about this, if the disciples came and said, you know, we're going to perpetuate this myth of the resurrection so that we can keep this whole Jesus thing going. You know, it'd be one thing if they were getting rich off the Jesus thing, if they were really popular, they were becoming influencers and trenders and had their own YouTube channel, it'd be one thing if they were getting a lot out of it. Why would the disciples perpetuate this movement? If they knew that his body had been stolen, that he was still dead, and they did it, but they're just going to keep this thing going. And not only that, we're going to keep this lie and this myth going that we know is not true because we stole the body, and we're going to die for that. Would you die for something that you knew was a hoax that you had committed? No, you would not There's only one explanation. It's the bodily resurrection of Christ. Now, let me tell you this. This is a bodily resurrection. This is not Jesus' body dissolved and then his spirit floated around and appeared. The tomb, my friends, is empty. It's empty. The once-dead body is gone. That once-dead body, though there was a metamorphosis, a change indeed, it's that body that got up out of the tomb And the tomb was empty because Jesus got up and walked out of there. And it's bodily that Jesus was resurrected and appeared to all of these people. Hey, listen. A lot of Christians say, what am I supposed to believe about the afterlife? What is the hope of Christianity? Some people think, well, it's the rapture. Eh." Some people say, well, it's the second coming. Well, yes, in this way. Some people got all of these kind of different things going on. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be pie in the sky, by and by, floating on a cloud, playing harps or something like that. Hey, listen, there's a lot of uh, pieces and nuggets of truth in those things, but here is the hope that the early Christians had, these first disciples, and here is the clear and present and sure hope that we have as Christians. Listen, are you ready? It's that we will share in the resurrection of Jesus, that those who are in Christ will one day Should we die and go to the grave and unless Jesus comes back first, you're going to die. Your body's going to go in the grave. Now, I do believe your spirit goes on. Jesus said to that uh, uh, criminal that professed faith in him there on the cross next to him, he says, what? Today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus' spirit did not go to sleep or cease to exist. There was a spiritual time Okay, Jesus was still aware of what was going on, I think, in those three days, but his body was in the tomb. But listen, the hope of the, that we have as Christians in Jesus is the hope of a bodily resurrection. That is absolutely essential to what Christianity is. We believe that Jesus got up out of the tomb, and that's the first fruits, and as the pattern, and as what we will experience, is that if we are in Christ, though we die, we too will share Later in the resurrection of Jesus, I believe that is at his second coming. But we know this, that Jesus was raised bodily and our hope is in that fact. Man, my old body is messing up. And giving out. And hurting in places. And weaker in places. Don't look at me like that. Y'all are doing it too. It's happening to you. Just a week or two ago, I was laying on a table having some problems, and and I went in to get a little check, and next thing you know, they're running an EKG, and I'm like Fred Sanford. I'm like, I'm coming to be with you, Elizabeth, and, uh, you know, kind of a scary deal. You're like, one of these days, this deal's going to give out. That's scary, isn't it? Don't, Don't lie. But we have this hope. We have this pattern. We have this historical record of Jesus coming up out of the tomb alive. You know, N.T. Wright wrote this, and I don't like a lot of what N.T. Wright says, but I love this. He says, if the cross is God saying no to sin and evil, then the resurrection in the empty tomb is God saying yes to life, yes to salvation, personal bodily resurrection for us. That's what the empty tomb says. So what do we believe about the afterlife as Christians? What is our hope? Resurrection. Resurrection, that's our hope. It's what happened to Jesus. And if you're in that's what's going to happen to you? Resurrection is the sign that God approved of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. He didn't just, though, cancel the debts. He did that. Jesus was our substitute. He took on our sin's debt. But His righteousness now in His resurrection... The approval that God gives to Jesus is now ours. His righteousness is given to us. His resurrection is given to us. Jesus has overcome the ultimate and final enemy, which is death. Y'all not as excited about that as I am. Hey, go lay on the doctor's table this week. And while they got you hooked up to some stuff. And again, I'm a drama queen. I told y'all that. Man, my mind just goes wild. I know many of you are going through much worse than me. Have this same hope in you when you're laying there, when you're suffering, when you're in pain, when you know. I mean, some of y'all are on borrowed time. I'm just going to say, y'all, y'all, are, y'all are aging. I'm getting younger all the time. Some of y'all are aging. And, and you know that day's coming. Man, that death. You're just like, I've, 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 I've gathered and I've learned and I've done stuff all through my life, building and building and building and then gone and that stinks that ain't right that's just wrong am I right and there's that enemy waiting to steal kill destroy rob us and Christ's resurrection this victory over death I'll tell you what it's like it's like David David this unassuming unimaginable little hero that everybody's overlooking. And he comes and he slays this massive giant. Who is the enemy of all of Israel? He is the champion of the enemy. He's the one that comes out and makes everybody run and hide. And Jesus comes and he goes right into the throes of death. And he walks out of it. He beats the giant death. The most powerful and foreboding enemy that we can imagine. Jesus Wins. And the resurrection brings us into this salvation and this hope that even beyond death, God is doing something to give us eternal life. But that's not the end of it either. You've heard all of that. You you know, if you show up for church on Easter, you've heard that probably. But that's not the end of the story or the journey either. Then there is the ascension. Let's skip ahead and just look at one verse. As we wrap up. But this is so important. Don't miss this. Verse 19. What happens after the resurrection? If Jesus resurrected, is he hanging out in Israel today? Hmm? Surely if Jesus was around, you know, still on the earth today, he'd be at church somewhere, probably with the Baptists, I'm sure. What happened to Jesus? Verse 19. So then... Now, there are some other things that happened, but so then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. This is the final step of the exaltation of Jesus, not just the resurrection, but the ascension to the highest place. Now, listen, for 40 days, Jesus is appearing to these different ones, and he gathers, his, gathers up his disciples, and they go out near Bethany to this village and up on this hill, and he gives them the great commission. He says, go out, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go out and make disciples. Make followers of me. Tell them about me. Tell them about the resurrection. Tell them about eternal life. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Make disciples. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And then it says, now, it's a little weird. He's taken up into the heavens. The ascension. He's taken up into Heaven. Mark, Luke, Acts all give the same account with really surprising brevity because you go, I'd like to hear more about this launching up into heaven of Jesus. That's what they saw. They saw him go up and ascend into the heavens. Where? That's the thing you're like, you know, and we gotta have some humility about this. You don't you don't know everything that's out in the universe and the galaxies? Did Jesus keep on going like a rocket ship? Took him a couple of light years to get to heaven. Is 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 heaven the third heavens, God's heaven, where God dwells, where Jesus went to the right hand of God? You say, well, is that a place you could actually travel to? Is it in this time and space dimension? Well, you know, I don't know. We could talk about this, and I've got my theories, but I can tell you what the Bible says. He was taken up into the heavens. Where did he go? He ascended to the right hand of God. He went to the highest place and was given the highest name, the name of Jesus, the name above every name. After his resurrection, after this massive conquering of death, Jesus went to a place, the highest place, exalted place, the most exalted place. Hey, listen, we went to the, 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 the rock tomb where Jesus' body was laid We talked about how the grave is the lowest place imaginable. What's the greatest place? What's the highest place? What's the best place that you could go? The best place is to the very right hand in the presence of God the Father, and that is where Jesus went. Now, he went in a way, it says, the Bible says that we're seated there with him in some ways, but listen, he occupies that place like no one else could occupy that place, and that's because he is the Davidic king. He is the one that has conquered the final enemy, death. That is because that is... Where he belongs and he alone, and he has that place of supremacy, and he goes to the very right hand of God and he receives authority. Now, listen the ascension of Jesus is not just a cha- change of scenery, it's not just a cool magic trick, like he's levitating up into the sky. What is very clear is that Jesus goes to the right hand of God, and I don't think we often know what to do with that as Christians. We don't have a good ascension theology. And then it actually says that he was seated. This is called the session of Christ. Man, his work is done. He's achieved that place. He's gone to that place. The place of ruling and reigning. And so Jesus could say to the disciples, all authority in heaven and now on earth, I've conquered the enemy death. I've conquered Satan, hell, and the grave. I've whipped them all. And I took the authority they had tried to take it from god but i came back and took it back and i have it and hey, listen as followers of jesus as a preacher of a church as whatever you do you don't have all authority except that god has given you authority through jesus you have delegated authority the whole church and I'll, i'm gonna tell you something this is so comforting to me today The success of the Jesus movement and the kingdom of God and even this church is not hinging upon Sean Milliken's greatness or cleverness or preaching ability or anything like that because we're in trouble if that's it. The Jesus movement. Why it has lasted for 2,000 years and why this is what will be until the end and the kingdom of God is victorious is because Jesus overcame. And God has put him in this highest place. He's taken back all power, dominion, and authority from Satan, his demons, hell and the grave, all of that. The Bible says Jesus in his resurrection and ascension took captivity captive. And he took a bunch of spoils of war and he goes to that highest place and he takes all of those spoils that he's got and he pours out the Holy Spirit and he gives gifts to men and women, to those who are followers of Jesus to exercise then his goodness and his kingdom power given by his Holy Spirit. So it's from that exalted place that in Acts chapter 2 Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit. It's from that exalted place today where we pray, we go to the God, the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son who is the mediator, who is the one that allows us into the very holy of holies, the presence of God and he is our mediator. How can we know that God hears our prayers because Jesus is right there whispering in his ear when we pray in Jesus' name? And there's so much to the ascension. I would just encourage you to do some reading about what is the significance for us today of the ascension and the enthronement, the session of Jesus Christ because there's a bunch. But I can tell you this, people today scoff and sneer ridicule and reject Jesus as Lord make fun of the church know this Christian if you serve Jesus he's your Lord and master you're serving the best and the greatest and the highest the king of kings and the Lord of lords there is no no dominion no power no evil no spirit no powerful man or woman or human government that could even hold a candle to his power and goodness and authority if you are a worshiper of Jesus, if you are on the side of Jesus, you're on the winning side, the right side, the conquering side, the victorious side. You are serving the coming king. Actually, he's already the king. He just had not come back yet. He's gone to the highest place, and his kingdom is expanding. I was walking up towards the door today to come in to the office, and I was watching, and I'll just tell you, it's Bitsy. Bitsy was walking up that parking lot, and I see her, whoo, I said, man, she done went Pentecostal on us here. What's going on here? That's all right. I said, what, what is going on? And, and I look up and, and there's a little snake. And it's coming right towards the church. Right toward the church. And you know what I did. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't do that. I just walked up, got my got my big black shoes on. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, animal lovers, snake lovers. Crushed his head. Now, he was just a poor little green garden snake. Wasn't going to hurt anybody, but I was afraid Bitsy was going to have a heart attack or slip and fall, so you know. But, but, but coming right towards the church. And I think she even said something like, he's not going away from the church, he's going to the church. And I'm going to tell you something, listen to me. Satan and his evil demons and all of those heading right for the church. But something's happened. Jesus has come and crushed the head of the serpent. And that snake didn't die immediately. He was convulsing and hissing and doing all kinds of stuff. But the death blow had been dealt. It was over. I won. The cross, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, dealt a death blow to Satan and evil. And they're still writhing, Satan is still writhing. I'll tell you, here's what I firmly believe. The church in America, the church worldwide, and let me say this to you, this church, many of you and me are being attacked by a hissing serpent. that is out still in his writhing and final moments trying to strike and kill and steal and divide and destroy. We are in a spiritual battle. Jesus is victorious. But he hadn't come back yet. The snake has not quit writhing and striking. And we need to be aware of that. But we don't need to be fearful. You know what we need to do? Man, And I'm telling you, just killing that snake today, whoo, because it was a reminder Of what Jesus has done for us, and that He has won the victory, and that we depend on Him, and we trust in Him, though the snake is still kicking. We can have confidence in the work of Jesus. We can have confidence, though for a little while we suffer and continue on in these trials. Though we face things that seem foreboding, Jesus has won. Hey listen, seriously personally maybe you're going through something right now where you're facing the grim dark reality of the grave. Maybe it's you, maybe it's a loved one. The resurrection is our hope and our knowledge and our certainty that the death that death does not have victory over us. You hear me? Do you believe that? Sometimes it's hard to believe that. Sometimes we get short-sighted. We need to look back and see the empty tomb. And Jesus raised and exalted and it gives us such a peace and hope and certainty about what is ours in Christ. You can have confidence, no matter what you face, that you're raised and exalted and seated with Christ in the heavenly places if you're united to him. You have to be united to Jesus for this to be reality for you. And you say, how do I do that? How do I gain eternal life? How do I get this hope? How can the resurrection be mine by faith. Simply understand the historical facts that the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is the story of the world and it's the story of every one of us. It's what God offers to us and you lay hold of it by turning from your own way and trusting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. It's not of works. It's of grace that you lay hold of by faith. Would you bow with me today? I want to give an opportunity, a little space in our service before we go into our closing activities. To consider and to contemplate where you're at before the Lord. Are you saved? Do you know that your sins have been forgiven? Christ has paid the penalty for every sin you ever committed and ever will commit. Do you see him there on Calvary's cross suffering, bleeding, and dying for you? Can you see him? Do you believe that? Trust him. Do you know, do you understand in your mind's eye and the spirit in your inner spirit do you acknowledge that Jesus was raised from the dead he conquered death and that can be yours by believing on him making Jesus the Lord of your life trusting in him God's free gift believe on him right there where you sit talk to God Tell him in the name of Jesus that you want to be saved. And you'll be saved. You'll be born again into a new and living hope. Father, today, would you work in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, young and old, in this place, to open the eyes of our hearts. We want to see you. Restore and renew for those of us who have been walking for some time Restore to us the hope and the joy and the peace that we have through the resurrection and through the fact that Jesus is ruling and reigning in the highest place today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the salvation that brings us into this hope. Lord, walk with those, confirm to those by the pouring out of your spirit that if they believed on you for the first time today, that they are saved by the blood of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus we pray all of these things in Jesus name Amen